0: I'm reading the paper about all of the uh, revolutions going on in Sri Lanka, in uh, all the different countries of Europe and so on. You know, the thing is, I always get nervous when things are spontaneous, but all over the place. In other words, spontaneous in Sri Lanka, but at the same time, spontaneous in Netherlands, spontaneous in Germany, spontaneous in Czechoslovakia, spontaneous in Italy, toppling government after government after government. And uh, because I believe that there is a grand globalist conspiracy, I really do believe that, I get very nervous when I see that these, in South America, Argentina, and so forth. It's not that there shouldn't be revolutions in these countries, but why this week as opposed to last week? Why uh, uh, not two weeks ago? Why not three weeks from now? All at the same time, all with the intention of toppling the governments. We just don't know how these things happen, but they happen... Awfully fast, awfully coordinated, and very organized, and supposedly spontaneous. Hello, friends. This is Frederick Henry, and you're listening to a a quick episode of the Frederick Henry Podcast. Everybody right now is focused on the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago and President Trump, and uh, there's been a lot said about that, but I want to focus on two other issues. And under the heading is what is happening with our military, Uh, I watch a little bit of that because I'm a colonel. Uh, I was a chaplain and a colonel in rank, a chaplain in military occupational specialty. I was a reservist for 30 years, retired now. And um, I was entitled during the four years of my active duty time during Iraq and Afghanistan to attend uh, secret and top secret briefings. And I know that a lot of stuff happens in the military Uh, quietly and privately and without much fanfare. But I have been noticing in the uh, um, media uh, the idea that 10,000 or 20,000, or uh, I've seen estimates as much as 60,000 United States military personnel have been deployed to the areas around Ukraine, Poland and the like. And uh, they're stationed there and some Uh, commentators have mentioned that not only have these people been stationed in the countries surrounding the Ukraine, but they also have made incursions uh, clandestinely or privately or secretly into the Ukraine as assisting forces to the Ukrainian armed uh, services against the Russians. Now, why is this a concern? First of all, I'm just going to deal with the issue of the numbers. I don't remember any time in my experience when the military was um, so generous with their personnel. To send even 10,000 or 20,000 and most certainly 60,000 troops to the areas around Ukraine indicates to me a desire of the military uh, top brass to incur a war. We don't send 60,000 troops at great expense. Uh, We have to house them and clothe them and feed them and and provide for them and equip them uh, while they're uh, being deployed in these areas. It costs a tremendous amount of money, and we don't do that for no reason. We do it for a reason that the intention is to invade or to incur, uh, uh, enter into a a conflict or to assist in a conflict uh, secretly and privately and all that kind of stuff. And so my question is, if there is even 10,000 troops in the area, what are they doing there? Uh, This is NATO and all that kind of stuff. NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which is a throwback to uh, the Cold War uh, during the 1950s and 60s and 70s, uh, coming out of the Second World War, uh, an operation to quote-unquote prevent war, supposedly, or defend Western Europe that's Um, Germany and France and those countries, uh, Italy, against uh, an incursion or an invasion by the Red Army, the Communist Army under Stalin or under Khrushchev or that kind of stuff uh, through the Folder Gap and all these tank warfare scenarios. I saw so many of them. They're all public knowledge on the Internet. And the military does something with this. They play games. They play war games. They're, They're like rehearsals for war. And they use the um, troops, the actual troops, to uh, play a game which is drawn up for them that the enemy is the op for and the uh, the peace uh, peace forces are the other forces. And they play a game of tactical maneuvering and uh, they position cars and trucks and tanks and they make believe it's a real warfare or real battle in order to uh, increase preparedness for the real thing if it was to happen and so that may be as innocent as it is in the deployment of that many troops but i also note that the united states military has been sending huge amounts of ammunition type things uh, uh, um, missiles and anti-aircraft missiles and all kinds of sophisticated ammunition and weapons uh, to the ukrainian area way above the competency of the ukrainian army and very, very sophisticated equipment empowered to meet the sophisticated equipment of the Soviet Union's armies, Russia's armies. And so why are we sending such equipment? It costs a lot of money. It's it's a logistical nightmare. And yet we are arming our men and women uh, who are stationed in the countries surrounding Ukraine. Ukraine with weapons of enormous destructive capability. And I don't see why we're doing that unless we intend to use them. Now, if the intent is to use them, they need to tell the American people. If the intent is to start a third world war, they need to tell the American people. If the intent is to um, attack Russia, uh, they need to tell the American people. We, the American people, should not be misled into a false sense of quietness in the idea that if anything happens, uh, you know, the uh, military will be able to react and to act uh, accordingly and properly. Uh, That's not a good um, posture to be in. And so that's my question. I want to know what the military is doing, what they're planning, why they're planning it, and what authority, under what authority are they deploying troops all around the globe, under what authority Are they stationing troops in such massive numbers, if they are, in uh, Poland and elsewhere around the Ukraine? And what is the intention of uh, people as um, General Milley and uh, the uh, Secretary of Defense and um, the others? What is their intention? And why are they keeping it a secret? Well, you might say tactically and strategically and as a matter of policy, they have to keep what they're plan to do secret because the enemy, namely in this case, we assume the enemy to be Russia, maybe they will find out what we're doing. Well, yeah, but the American people need to know because if you're gonna act war, if you're gonna a fire on another nation such as Russia, if you're going to enter another nation such as Ukraine and Russia, if you're going to blow up ordnance and do all kinds of things which are war-like, then you need a declaration of war from the... Con- you will need a declaration of war uh, from the United States Congress. We don't have a system whereby we just go to war or by, you know, just because I'm general or just because of the Pentagon or just because uh, the president decides that we're gonna go to war. And in this our day, uh, the possibility of nuclear holocaust and uh, nuclear warfare is so great, especially if we're talking about our, an adversary like the uh, like Russia, which is the possessor of, I think, 6,000 nuclear weapons. Uh, what are we talking about? Now, maybe, you know uh, our military believes, as General Frank did during the Iraq conflict, that you know shock and awe—that we just invade, and we just use our superpower, we use our planes, our ships, our, our tanks, our uh, mili- military, our bombs, our missiles—all in one gigantic shock or blitzkrieg, you know, type thing from the Second World War, the Nazi era, the blitzkrieg thing—and then we win. Well. General Frank and those who were involved in the Iraq War uh, were fighting Saddam Hussein. Uh, Saddam Hussein did not have nuclear weapons. Saddam Hussein didn't have, he had 60 tanks, many of them uh, 20 years old, Soviet-style tanks, which he had embedded into the sand. They weren't even maneuverable. He was using them as uh, stationary weapons. He didn't have missiles. He didn't have all this kind of good stuff. So uh, Saddam Hussein was an easy target easy pickings for the United States military. Uh, The Soviet Union is not that way, no matter how much the uh, media likes to tell you that they're antiquated, they have uh, very sophisticated modern weapons, they have a huge nation, and we're not at war with the Soviet Union, we have no, uh, with Russia. We have no, I'm still using that phrase from the Cold War, isn't that terrible? With Russia. We have no right to be at war with Russia. Russia has not attacked us, is not attacking us, has not bombed us, has not bombed our supply lines. We are supplying Ukraine. Russia does not attack us for that. We are giving Ukraine weapons. Uh, Russia does not attack the vehicles that bring those weapons into the Ukraine. We are airlifting materials into Ukraine Russia does not knock our planes out of the sky. So Russia has not acted against us in any way, war-wise, and we have no right, uh, just to, unless we wanna be a, an aggressor. Now, if we are an aggressor, an illegal warmongering nation, um, intentionally invading uh, Russia, then we're no better than they are. And even as they themselves should be held accountable for what they've done in the Ukraine, we would be held accountable for what we would do by attacking Russia. And it might bring about a nuclear war and the Third World War for that matter. So what I'm saying is uh, I'm nervous about secretiveness in our American military. I'm very worried about General Milley and his grandiose uh, arrogance, uh, thinking that he's the savior of the world. Don't forget, this is the same man who was entrusted with the Joint Chief of Staff position under an elected president, President Trump, who admitted that he would uh, um, contact the Chinese army and the Chinese government if we're going to attack them over some kind of uh, international incident. He would give them forewarning and notice before any attack. Uh, And he would do this on his own personal prerogative and authority without any authorization from anybody, which is a traitorous act. That's just plain and simple. It's a traitorous act. That no one is holding him up for that statement as being a man who entertains traitorous action uh, surprises me. And the fact that he abandoned the president during the uh, Black Life Matters riots and the Antifa riots in claiming that all that action, which was not the president's fault, it was actually the, 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 the doings of terrorist organizations who were undermining toppling statues, tearing and burning cities and trying to topple a government that he backed out of merely walking into the public square with the president claiming that such an action on his part was participation in the president's treason and the president's attempt to usurp the American government. He doesn't usurp anything. He's the president of the United States and how walking out in a public place uh, and, and visiting a burned-out church next to the White House could in any way be considered um, treasonous is absurd. This is General Milley who says it's treasonous, and maybe he entertains treason. I don't know the man's soul or heart, but he makes me very nervous, and I don't know why he's still the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's an old man. I don't know if he meets the weight standards. The, I was in the military myself. There are definitely weight standards. And if you don't meet the weight standards, you're drummed out of the army. Just like they're drumming people out of the army for not taking COVID, they drum people out of the army for repeatedly failing to adhere to the weight standards. And General Milley most certainly does not um, adhere to the weight standards. So why this man is still in power? But with a President Biden who is uh, acknowledged as being mentally um, challenged in his uh, state of condition, whether you want to call it dementia or Alzheimer's or just old age or whatever, um, and to think that the military may uh, become so um, arrogant and so uh, secretive and so sure of itself that they may think they can act unilaterally without the president's assistance. Or in the case of Biden, he would just sign on because they told him to sign on. And in the case of the Congress, where well, the Congress could be regarded as superfluous and will attack anyway and will deal with the consequences later. This kind of thing thinking could be going on at the Pentagon, could be going on in General Milley's head, could be happening in um, Defense Secretary Austin's head, and could be in the Navy and Marine uh, leader's head, and they could be in cahoots with each other in the Pentagon attempting to um, use United States forces to enter into Ukraine and to oust the Russian forces, which would be, in effect, an attack against the Russians and would probably precipitate a very dangerous war, at least in the local area, and could precipitate a much broader conflict in the greater European theater, if that is their plan. I don't know what their plans are. But I think we need to take a good look at um, why we have troops of any number, of any consequence, and munitions and long-term missiles, and why we spent, uh, what what is it now, $30 billion in Ukraine. We need to look at that critically, and, and we need to look at what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I think we have to investigate and call the Pentagon people onto the carpet to find out exactly, you can do it in secret session in the Congress, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Because going to war without A congressional approval is illegal, unconstitutional, and if you want to call it an act of treason, you know, I'm sorry. I just don't find that whole idea. And sometimes I'm worried about the arrogance. You know, Eisenhower warned us about the uh, marriage of the uh, military-industrial complex. And I might add the military-industrial-corporate complex could be trying to act unilaterally on their own in an attempt to um, bring about the new world order, depending on how many of these people are um, from Davos, you know, the, 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 from the um, Schwab people who believe in this new world order uh, stuff. And uh, so we have oversight over the military. We have oversight over the president. We have oversight in terms of Uh, going to war, we can refuse to go to war, and we can fire all those people who intend, if they are intending, to take us to war against our will. And I think we need to start paying attention to that because I'm afraid that a lot of this activity, like with Mar-a-Lago and with the rioting around the world and with the uh, the toppling of government in Sri Lanka and and the challenging of government in... in, uh, the Baltic states, and in the rest of Europe, that this may all be a diversion away from the intention of these people, I call them the globalists, the liberal, uh, many, mainly Democrat globalists, who love war. They think war was the greatest thing since uh, since they were born. And they love to get us into a war, to show off our prowess, to extend our empire, and to uh, impose our will On the world. So I'm calling attention to that through this podcast, uh, Freedom of Speech, you know, and uh, just asking the questions. I have no inside information. I have no insider uh, stuff. I just read the news, Epic Times. I like reading the Epic Times. I read uh, the internet news all the time. I read uh, stuff that comes out of the Pentagon from their own publications and uh, uh, news out of the Pentagon. And I'm very concerned about what we may be planning to do uh, in terms of starting uh, the next world war. So this is Frederick Henry, and I want to thank you very much for listening to the Frederick Henry podcast. Thank you.